Welcome to the Bite Your Tongue podcast. I'm Denise, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Ellen Broughton. We've been through many years of parenting together, and now we're ready to talk about the ins and outs of parenting adult children. Your diapering days are over. Now it's time to consider when to bite your tongue. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Bite Your Tongue. I'm Denise Gorin, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Ellen Broughton. For some background, Ellen and I have been friends since our now 32-year-old daughters were babies. And as we entered this new chapter of parenting, building healthy and fun relationships with our adult children, we realized that both of us, along with many of our friends, struggle with setting boundaries, when to let go, how far to push our questions, and of course, when to bite our tongues. And so this podcast was born. We're very excited. Honestly, I'm a little nervous because I've never done anything like this before, but I'm still excited and looking forward to sharing this journey with all of you. How about you, Ellen? I'm totally excited about this. I'm completely psyched. And I am a psychologist who knows nothing about this whole part of parenting and development. And part of it is because it's not sort of my thing. But the other part of it is that we really don't know much about this stage of parenting. No one's really studied it. We don't have a lot of theories about it. It's sort of new territory. So it is pretty exciting to think about. However, I think from now on, we're just going to have to say our daughters who are approaching adulthood as opposed to 32-year-old daughters because it does make us seem kind of old. I and start, then I, I told my daughter I need to start lying about her age, not my age. So just to let you know. <laughs> that's, that's true. We I both we both have yeah, we both have sons too. Mine's uh twenty nine yes, and do. yours is a little bit younger, but still they're adults, young adults. Um well let's get on with it, because I'm very excited to welcome our first guest, author Amanda Morin, who just released a book called Adulting Make Easy Made Easy. Adulting Made Easy. It's Adulting 101, teaching young adults the ins and outs of things like health insurance, budgeting, rents, roommates, and really the reality of being an adult. Everyone's always rushing to get there. Then they don't know what to do once they get there. But anyway, the chapters that I love the most, I just want to point these out. I love the chapter on choosing a doctor in health insurance, because what is the difference between an HMO, a PPO? HDHP? I had never even heard of that. I think it's a high deductible health plan. There's also some information on mental health, which someone, a young adult just shared with me that she thinks that's a topic we should cover. I also love the chapter on identity theft. There's some good tips in there for sure. But also there's a lot of basic stuff, how to do laundry, how to boil an egg. So the real question I have for Amanda is why? Why does this generation of young adults need sort of this guide to adulting? Have we done so much for our kids along the way that we need to sort of gently push them to becoming adults? What do you think, Ellen? And then you do the final introduction of Amanda because you've known her for a while. I have known her for a while. And I would say, yes, it must be our fault because previous generations of kids did not need this much help. You know, when I 
began as a child psychologist, child psychology sort of ended around the age of 18. Now we have patients into their 20s, up to age 25. (laughs) And I never have a 22-year-old who makes their own appointment for an appointment. So I think that there is something to be said about this generation. And when you had mentioned starting this podcast, Amanda's Um, book and actually her expertise just in terms of being a mother and sort of knowing how hard it is to navigate, uh, you know, just the, the, uh, the, the uh, the adult um, part of parenting. Uh, I think I really sort of felt like she'd be a great first guest. And part of it is that writing a book like this means that we really need to think about why it is that kids need more structure and why they're not better prepared for adulthood. Now, um, Amanda, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, but I will say that I have known Amanda, I think for about 10 years. And Amanda was an expert at Understood Org and she has risen through the ranks and now is Associate Director of Thought Leadership, which sounds like such a great title. And I know you're doing a lot of thinking about all sorts of things. Understood is a great resource for parents and even parents to think about and to provide information about children and young adults with learning differences. And I've loved working as part of Understood. But Amanda, I will turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book and Yeah, just a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you. It is really nice to be here. I am honored that I get to bite my tongue with the two of you. Um, Because (laughs) I too. You don't need to. Well, not with, yeah, no, no. But, but, you know, what Ellen isn't also saying is that I also have adult children. I have one who is in her mid 20s, and I'm going to start lying about my age, about when I had her instead of her age. Um, I have an 18 year old and then I have an 11 year old. So I have this like adult in training at home still too. Um, And Ellen and I have a, maybe a text chain going back and forth about how do you do this back and forth, which is kind of fun. Um, Adulting Made Easy is actually my fifth book. So I've done four other books. I have worked with understood.org for a long time. I'm also a former classroom teacher, um, have been a mom for a really long time and still have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to raising adult kids. I'm trying really hard, um, but it's hard and it's hard to figure out when you jump in, when you don't jump in and what they really need to know. And I think that was one of the reasons I wrote this book is I was thinking through what my children needed to know too. Yeah, it's funny. We both started out working with younger kids and have grown into becoming more interested in older development. And and even at Understood, they've become more interested in how young people with learning differences negotiate the work world and social relationships and all sorts of things. So I think we're just like in this place now where everybody's starting to realize that life doesn't stop at 18. For a lot of us, it's when it starts, right? And I think that in our field and child development and and psychology and those kinds of things that for a really long time, we never thought about the fact that adulthood wasn't the end, right? It, It wasn't the end goal. The end goal is to be like a successful adult, to make it through, to kind of figure your way through life. And all of a sudden, there was this need to realize that 18 isn't it. That's not where it all starts. There's it keeps going, I think. Well, and I, I never felt that my kids were quote unquote adults at 18. 
Um, I think those college years were not as difficult. It's when they really are on their own and they're completely supporting themselves, or at least they have jobs and they're developing lives completely separate from us, which is exactly what we wanted them to do, except we have to transition to understanding that their life is their life now. And although, how do I say this? You know, they're not so much part of our nuclear family anymore. They're creating their own nuclear family. And I think that's a little bit of a challenge for all parents. Um, when I hear people say they're an empty nester when their kid goes off to college, part of me wants to say, well, don't hold your breath too long. They're going to be back, you know, <laughs> and they come back at holidays and they come back during the summer and that sort of thing. But for me, it became much more challenging when I really was no longer their nuclear family and understanding that and respecting that. So I guess I want to ask, um, you mentioned in your introduction that you successfully raised two children to adulthood and are still working on the third, as you said. What does it mean to raise a child successfully to adulthood? Oh, that's such a tricky question, right? I, you know, I actually refer to my two older ones as chronological adults sometimes <laughs> because I think like chronologically they're considered adults, right? And so the successful part for me was, well, first of all, I made it through all those years and they, we all made it through together. And if you are raising kids, if you've raised kids, you know that there are some years in there where it's just, it is really hard to make it through the teenage years where they think they know everything, you know, nothing. And then it sort of switches back around again. Um, but I also think part of raising them to be successful adults was raising them to know that they had to be adults. Right. And to me, that was a really important part of it is making sure that they knew that while I was still there, they really had to start doing things on their own. Doesn't mean they have done it all the time, but it means it's something that I really consciously thought about. And part of the reason I did that is because I don't think I was prepared when I got out into the so-called real world. I mean, we're always in the real world, but like when you're on your own for the first time, you really feel like it's the real world. I didn't have the skills I needed. And so it was really conscious effort on my part to make sure that they had some of the skills that I think I would have wanted. Well, whether or not that means the skills they needed is still to be seen, right? Because they're still getting through it. They're still trying to figure it out. But I did try really hard to make sure that they had some of those basic skills and that ability to navigate some of their stuff on their own um, and to make their own decisions, whether they're good ones or bad ones, right? To know that those are their decisions to make. So there's really like two things going on here. One is that Denise is, is at one end of the spectrum. It's hard to let them go. But at the other end of the spectrum, we don't know if they're prepared to actually go on their own. And I think that we have to operate somewhere between those two extremes as parents. And even kids who seem to be pretty competent in the real world do things like get married and have children of their own and negotiate different jobs. And so even the, the, the ones who we think, oh, they're our easy child, present with challenges too, because life is tough and sometimes they are struggling as well. So it's interesting to sort of think that it's, it's not just, you know, preparing them or letting them go. It's this really complicated combination of the two. It's like learning how to dance, right? And if you don't know how to dance, you're starting from this place where you have to figure out what your steps are and the other person's steps are and how you don't step on them and how they don't step on you. And it's just, it's really complicated. And I think I didn't realize how hard it would be to be an adult, to be a parent to adults. You know, I thought it was going to be hard to be a parent to young kids. 
And then I started raising adults and I was like, oh gosh, this is a lot harder. I don't know where to jump in. I don't know where to step out. You know, I don't know whether I should jump in. I don't know whether I should step out. You know, it's it's all those things at, at once. And I want them to feel like I trust them. But honestly, sometimes I'm not sure I do. I mean, I'm just going to be honest and say, I'm not sure I trust that that's going to go okay sometimes, you know. And maybe it's okay it doesn't. But that brings me to say, how I want, I want to be able to offer some real sort of advice or suggestions. I guess advice is the wrong word, suggestions. I mean, how involved should parents be? I mean, there are some young adults that are calling their parents every day or texting every day. There used to be when we, when I was growing up, I don't know if you guys had this, the Sunday call to your parents. Every Sunday, you, you know, found the rotary telephone, you dialed their number. And now with cell phones, kids are in touch all the time or not at all. Um, I think what you said about this being a dance is the best visualization of what this is. It's in and out and in and out. You you have to be there when they need you, but you're not sure you should be there when they don't need you. You don't know. It's a dance. It's a complete dance. <laughs> totally. Totally. And I remember the Sunday call, just so you know, I'm also a Sunday call rotary phone person. I remember those. And it was because long distance phone calls were cheaper on Sundays. I mean, that's just something that I just remembered as I was talking to you, you know, we would do it on Sunday because it was cheaper on Sundays. Um, I think it's really tricky because all young adults are different, right? And some of them may need to check in with you daily. And it may just be like, Hey, I'm here. (laughs) Are you there still too? And it might be like, I have something that I need fixed. Can you fix it? And my answer usually is like, no, I can't, but I can tell you three things that you can think about to fix it for yourself. You know, those kinds of things. I think it's hard to give blanket advice around how, how involved we should be, because I think you have to know your young adult. I do think that we have to be in this position where we are willing to let our kids fail on their own. And know that sometimes that's when you come in and and prop them back up is after they failed, as opposed to smoothing the way for them so they don't fail. Um, And I think that's really hard. I think we live in a very different world in terms of parenting. I think there's, I don't know, I've been trying to put my finger on this. Is It's something about, you know, parents who are sort of afraid to say no to their kids. They want their kids to be friends with them. They, They don't want their kids to like not like them. And I don't know if this makes me just like the a mean mom or not, but I really actually never kind of have that I need you to like me feeling. What I know what I from my kids is I want you to like me, but I also want you to learn from me. And I think that those are the pieces that are important is to realize like it's not our job to be friends to our kids. It is our job to be friendly to them <laughs> in some ways. And I'm seeing Ellen smile. We can see each other, even though we're just talking to each yeah. other. So I think it's, it's funny to see Ellen smile um, as we talk about that a little bit. I don't know. I'm interested in what you think, either of you around what you, where's that line? You know, I do think it is dependent on the child, but it's somewhat dependent on the parent too. So the parent has to sort of look within, not just to say, well, you know, I've got one child who sort of checks in with me almost every day, another child I can not hear from for two weeks, and that's normal. But for some of the parents that I work with, 
it's sort of their need. We have to look at what are our needs for our child to communicate with us, not just what they're doing, because this is a two-way street. And we don't typically do that. We typically think that, oh my God, our child is calling us every day and um, you know they, they need this, they need that, or my child never calls me and is too independent. And we've got to sort of think about what it is that we need and where those limits are for us because they're adults now. And so we don't need to necessarily set limits on them as much as we need to figure out what our desires are and what our limits are and what our needs are. And we don't typically do that as parents. That's just not something that we do in this role. It's not something that, you know, we've spent 20 years thinking about what our children need and what's best for them, not really what's best for us. Well, and I think that's a conversation too, right? That's something that I learned um, through raising the first adult, you know, my daughter, who I will tell you, I talked to before we we started this because I wanted to make sure she was okay me, with me talking about her. Um, because even that's different, right? We talk about our kids all the time when they're young and we probably shouldn't as much as we do. But then once they're adults, we need to be really careful that we're not giving away pieces of their lives that are not ours to give away. And so that's an adjustment itself. But I think having those conversations with your young adults and saying, you know, how often do you want me to check in? How often do you feel like you need to check in? You know, with my daughter, there are times where I'll realize I haven't spoken to her in a couple of weeks and I'll just pick up the phone and text and say, I don't need anything. Everything's here, fine here. I just wanted to check in to make sure you're okay. Hadn't heard from you a while this is not a guilt trip, right? And I have to add those on the end. This is not a guilt trip. It's just me thinking, oh, I haven't heard from you in a while, just making sure you're okay. But I think it's it's really worth having those conversations because the expectations, once you're not in the same household, they change. And if they're not spoken out loud, there's a lot of misunderstanding that can go on with that. And I think it's because we fall back into these roles of being parent and child without thinking about it. And if we don't talk through, what does it look like to both be adults? And that's so tricky, right? Because you don't ever think about the fact that you have to learn, you know, as Denise said, to let go and let them be their own family. You know, I think that's something that we struggle with as parents is to realize that our children's priorities change as they get older. Um, and while that's what you really hope for, it's really hard emotionally for us as parents to to realize that they're not, you know, they're, they may not be our family the same way that we think of them as family. And that's okay. Um, you know, and it's one of the reasons in the book, I did a lot of the conversations about things like insurance and those kinds of things, which by the way, was the hardest chapter in the world to write because I knew nothing about it. I knew that I am supposed to know about it. I didn't know about it. And I learned a whole lot as I wrote it and realized we're always learning. We're always learning new things about being an adult. But I, I think that um, part of that was for me to, to, to just sort of walk through the steps of what is it you need to know as an adult, right? What are those mundane things that we take for granted? Um, to be honest, I still can't boil an egg and it's not because I don't know how I just can't do it. Right. I, I don't know what that's about, but there are so many things that we don't think about doing. You know, it's like when you ask a little kid to explain to you how they tie their shoes and they can't tell you how they do it. They just do it. So I think I spent two, three weeks like walking through each of my days to see what did I do that felt like an adult kind of thing to be able to write the outline, let alone write the book to think through what are the little things I do daily 
And actually, one of the little things that I should be doing daily that I don't do, um, spoiler alert, it's cleaning my bathroom, um, (laughs) should be doing that more often. But there are all these little things that all of a sudden, you know, they don't know them all of a sudden at 18. You don't just like magically have this ability to know that when you call the doctor's office, you need to tell them whether it's an urgent situation or you can wait a couple of weeks, right? You don't know whether it's okay to call your boss or text your boss sometimes. You know, these are these things that like we have negotiated and learned through experience that I think we don't even know that we know how to do. And we definitely don't know whether our kids know how to do it. You know, these are great points. And somebody, I don't remember if it was you or Denise brought up the issue of mental health. And I think this can be a very big issue for young adults, especially since they are transitioning from perhaps they've already had care. Let's say they had ADHD and we're getting medication from a psychiatrist or therapy from a child psychologist and now have needed to transition to an adult clinician or they're moving to a different part of the country and they don't have care. And sometimes they're in a lot of pain and in a big crisis. What are your thoughts about that in terms of advising parents as to how to advise their children on this? Yeah, that's a tough one. And it's some, it's a place I've been as a parent. So I think it's a, it's a really important question. The first thing I would note, um, which is just kind of like a, a funny side note in the book, I tell the story about how my daughter's pediatrician ended up firing her when she was 21 because she just never switched to another doctor and they just picked one for her and she had to, to go to that, that new doctor. Um, so those are the kinds of things where they're kind of funny, but also we don't think about that. I think the mental health thing is super important. And this is one of the reasons I spoke with my daughter before we started speaking is because she's been there this year in particular. Um, And she really did need support. And it was really important that I was supportive enough to say to her, here are the things you need to say to your doctor so that they really hear how you're feeling and how much help you need versus saying, let me pick up the phone and do it for you. Right. And so to me, it was agonizing to watch her be in pain, but it was also really important for her to learn how to advocate for herself and to know what words to use. So as a parent, it was important for me to help her through that. You know, even just talking to her so she could write down what I was saying was really important. And I think just because they become adults doesn't mean we leave them out, you know, they're on their own. And sometimes it's a matter of doing that, walking through those steps with them saying, you know, I hear in your voice, how bad you feel. I know you told me you started a new medication. I'm not sure it's working the way it should. Maybe you need to call your doctor and have that conversation was new to me. It was new to me as a parent. You know, I wanted to be able to call her doctor. And also I didn't want to because I thought she needed to handle it on her own, right? So there's things that just sort of become really tricky. But I think the important thing is to know that you can provide advice, you can provide guidance, you can even provide the words, but there's a line where you have to say, I can't do anything else. This is on you. You have all the tools you need. Now you have to use them. Um, And it's, 
really hard. It's really hard, I think, for both your young adult and for you as a parent Mm -hmm. to have to draw that line. And I think that is one of those times when it's when you you don't want to bite your tongue, when you really have to provide support and you've got to think through and, and be reflective, though, is really what you're talking about. But, you know, I represent the non psychologist in this group. So as I hear the two of you discuss this with such empathy and knowledge, I think of myself as a layperson, and it would be very hard for me to know what to say and what my young adult needs. And so that would be very challenging for me. I would want to be there, but I would be very afraid of sending them in the wrong direction, or I would only go on what my life experiences are, and I wouldn't have sort of a professional kind of background. And there would be times, Ellen, that I would have to bite my tongue because I would have to be careful on what I was saying and how I was getting there, I guess. And I just want to go back. This is a really great topic, and I'm hoping to have a whole episode on mental health. So I don't want to go down that path too, too deep. Um, In fact, it was a young adult that recently emailed me when I told her we were starting this podcast, and she mentioned mental health would be a great one. So it's, it's a very important one. But I want to go back to when Amanda said something about being friends And some parents want to be friends with their kid, you know, and I remember hearing that a lot when my kids were younger, but I feel as they get older, I do want them to like me. It doesn't mean that I'm going to say yes to everything, but if they don't like me, they're not going to want to spend time with me. And so there's a part of me that wants to be um, enjoyable for them and have fun with them. And, And it brings me to that Sunday night telephone call back to that. I dreaded having to make that Sunday night telephone call when I was a young adult because I knew my dad was going to say, how's your job? Um, You know, are you setting your goals? Uh, What are you going to do? You know, are you sure you should be dating that guy? You know, it was like just inundated with, you know, and I thought, okay, I learned how to do that dance really well. I told them just enough, but really nothing. And I'm assuming that that's how my kids are with me as well. And by the way, I also got approval before I even started this podcast. But I think that's a hard dance for parents to, you know, you talk every two weeks or even if you talk every week to make it an enjoyable phone call and not a filled with questions phone call. And I struggle with that personally. So I would love your input sort of on that whole thing and the whole friends, not friends, you know, all of that. I think it's such an interesting point. You know, I I think about it as you say it. And I think that when I was talking about not being friends, I was thinking more about when they're younger. Mm -hmm. And as as we raise them, I do remember very clearly a point in both of my older children's lives, probably 15, 16 years old, for both of them, where I realized, oh, they're actually kind of interesting people, right? I, I realized like they have these interesting lives that I wasn't a part of that other people found them interesting. And maybe I needed to figure out why, um, which is not as, I mean, that sounds bad as I say it out loud, but really I wanted to figure out what is it that other people find interesting about them. And I made a conscious decision to think through like, how do you have these conversations so you can learn who your, who your children are becoming. Right. Um, And I think I did it well in some cases. I did not so well in other cases, one of the things I think about the, you know, the, the interesting thing that you said about the, um, the Sunday phone call is I worry that I'm that mom all the time when I'm on the phone with, with 
my kids. One of my, my son, who's 18, I don't feel that way because he always has a million things he wants to tell me, you know, and, and half the time he actually doesn't want me to respond to them. He just wants to tell me all the things. And it's like, it's really exciting to sort of hear what's going on in his life. My daughter is much quieter. Um, and I feel like I'm interrogating her quite often. And there are plenty of times where in the middle of a phone call, I will stop and say, I'm not asking you all these questions because I'm trying to figure out like things that are private to you. I'm asking because I want to hear from you. I want to know who you are. I want to know what's going on in your life. And that's usually when she sort of relaxes and just starts talking. And I think sometimes it's a matter of being willing to listen to what they want to tell you, as opposed to trying to figure out what you want to know about them. And, and sometimes what they want to tell you may not be terribly interesting to you but it's worth listening to. I love that. So I'm going to add a piece to this. And the one thing neither of you have discussed is you. And a relationship and a friendship is about two people. It's not just about their interests. It's about yours too. It's about who you are. It's about them listening to what your dreams are, what you're excited about, what you're, and I think sometimes it's overwhelming for kids because they think, gosh, my parents have nothing on their mind but me, which of course we do, although sometimes we don't. I mean, there are times in our lives as mothers, even busy mothers, where either our work isn't going well or we're overwhelmed, where we get overly invested in what they're doing. But we've got to think about what it is that makes us excited and share that with our kids, too, because we we tend to, to just think about, I, and I know I guilty of this myself, but where I'm just, you know, like, what'd you do? What have have you been up to? Are you okay? Is everything all right? How's the car insurance? Did you remember? And really that's not what a relationship is about. That's, that's, you know, a relationship is about talking about me too and finding out what makes me excited outside of just the relationship with our, with, you know, my kids. And that I think is something we've got to think about as well is us. Such a good point. Actually, it's interesting. My son is really good about that. You know, we talk about these things. He's, um, he's a really amazing photographer and has started his own business. And he's just, you know, and I realized at some point that he had done that watching me do gig side gigs, right? He had learned how to do that. He'd learned how to do the pitch. And so sometimes he'll just, he'll call and say, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get this gig and I'd love, you know, what is it? How did you do that? And it's really kind of cool to be able to talk to him about, you know, how do you set rates for things? And, you know, what, what do you say in a pitch? And what's, what, how did I get this book deal? Or how did I do those kinds of things? Um, And he learned it from me so we can talk about those kinds of things. My daughter, I don't know that she's there yet in her adult life that she's willing to have those conversations in part because I think she's just not... Um, she's not outside of herself yet yeah, enough to, yeah. to see who we are. Right. And, yeah. um, but the good thing is she has a little brother at home and we can always tell her what he's doing and put him on the phone and, yeah. and he shares all the things too, which is, is, is fun. I think it's, it's such a good point though, right. That it's a give and take being friends is about talking to each other and not at each other. Yeah. And I think those are the things. So, so once again, tough. once again, I'm going to add an entirely different, jolt to this. Um, I'm a talker. I talk too much. I fill in with words when no one's speaking. So I would say 
particularly with my daughter, I do more talking than she does. She says, how are you doing? And in, in an effort to get her to speak, I think if I share more, she'll share more. Typically, it does not work that way. My son, on the other hand, and I think very similar to your son as a photographer, we're in similar businesses. So we share, how do you write this news release? Or how can I promote this? Or do you have an idea for this? And we can relate on that. However, he also doesn't. They're always interested in what we're doing. And that stops them from having to share what they're doing. Does that make sense? So, yes, I'm very interested. All I want to know is what they're doing. But I think, okay, I'll tell them what I, you know, what daddy and I did today. We went here. We went there. Did you hear aunt so-and-so did this? Blah, 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 blah. But Go ahead. What I'm thinking about, though, is more than just what we're doing, but our inner worlds, our desires, our thoughts, the things that we really care about. And I think we do fill those conversations up a lot with, oh, you know, I went to whatever with, you know, just a list of our agenda. When I'm really what I'm really thinking about is sort of being able to expand that. And that is that takes a bit of a risk. And and. It, yeah, it, it's just, and, and I'm sort of talking about not about the necessarily the 19 year old or even the 26 year old, but as we're looking into the 30 year old and the you know and on up, that it's really you know that the satisfying relationships in our lives are ones that are more about dreams and hopes and feelings as opposed to what did we do and and you're right, it's very easy to fill up time with that, and that is a way of kind of getting in the way of those sorts of conversations. I think the medium matters too, to be honest. You know, I'm not a telephone person. I don't like being on the phone at all. Um, but I will, you know, write an email, I'll text back and forth. Um, texting's not like, I'm not great at it, but I'll do it, you know, but I, you know, I can, I think the medium matters and those are the kinds of ways that, you know, and it might be because I'm a writer, I can share myself more fully when I'm writing as opposed to when I'm talking. Um, I think it's, you know, to me, it's about thinking through at, these are the times when our kids are developing sort of their own moral compass, their values, their ethics, like who do they want to be? And I've been hesitant. I've been hesitant to really engage and insert myself in that conversation. So it's an interesting perspective um, because I, I don't want to tell them who they have to be by telling them who I am, but maybe I'm getting it wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be biting my tongue as much as I am in those situations. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. Like, but I am thinking that we do, you know, when we think about relationships with our kids, we don't tend to, to um, infuse the same sorts of things that we love in relationships with other people. So to look at what is it that works with relationships with other people and think about that in our relationships with our children as they become adults. Again, you you touched a great note because I think what you said, Amanda, um, is true. When I share that, those sorts of things, I think sometimes it shuts them down from sharing themselves for fear that I will be judgmental or something of what they're doing. What I'm saying is I too want them to develop who they are, but sometimes it is hard when they are very, very different from maybe what your path was, whatever, you know, it's a great moral compass, but it wasn't your moral compass, whatever that may be. And I'm not speaking personally, I'm just speaking, you know, in general. Um, 
And I think that also is another topic when your child takes a totally different path. But I would love an idea from both of you um, in terms of, you know, how do you express that and allow them to express it without feeling like you're being judgmental, even though in your heart you're not, but it may appear judgmental to them. A lot of things appear judgmental when it's coming from a parent to even an adult child. Oh, I feel that way from from my parents to myself, and I'm a a full fledged adult, I guess, right? So I think I think it's something we always kind of feel. I have learned the power of the phrase, you don't owe me an explanation. And the flip side of that is I don't owe you an explanation, right? That kind of a thing. So that phrase, you don't owe me an explanation, is something that, you know, when my kids are telling me about something they did or something, and I have to stop saying kids, I have to say young adults, I have to stop doing that. You know, when my young adults are telling me about decisions they made or how they're spending their money, you know, and they, it sometimes sounds like they're trying to justify it to me. And I'm just like, you don't owe me an explanation. It's yours to do. That's great. You know, and sometimes I have learned to say to, you know, that's a choice I wouldn't have made, but I support you in making that choice. And, um, those are things I have learned by doing it so badly and having such bad experiences in, 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 you know, trying to get our way out of these, these moments that I had to learn new ways to have those conversations. Um, but like, those are the two phrases that I've been really powerful to use with them is you don't owe me an explanation and I support your choice here. Um, and whatever I'm feeling on the inside doesn't matter as much, I think. As long as your face can hide it <laughs> when it's, when it's person to person. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. And my face, I don't know. My face doesn't hide anything half the time. So maybe it's good when you're doing it, you're cooking, you're, you know, your, your back is to them. And then you have those conversations differently. Um, we're going to start. We're, we're trying to make these short and sweet and to the point. And so I love what you just said about you don't owe me an explanation and I support it might not have been my choice, but I support you. But I would like before we end for you to maybe give us um, two takeaways that you would like our listeners to take from this conversation that either you learned that you felt like you shared that was important, um, but that really would um, be something that they can take away. I think there are two definitely. And I think that the first is that as parents, we can provide all of those tools that we think our young adults need, but also know they're going to fail at some point, And that's not our fault. It's actually a learning experience and it needs to happen. And then the second takeaway is that I have learned the hard way that sometimes if an, even though there's a little part of me that says, Oh, you ought to bite your tongue here. I really should bite my tongue when my brain is saying that. And I've learned that the hard way. So if you think you ought to bite your tongue, bite your I tongue. I think that's great. And I just really want to say, anyone out there that's listening, go to Amazon.com. Look for Adulting Made Easy by Amanda Morin. Give us some advice here, though, as we end. How do you give your young adult this book? You know, there's got to be something you can say that doesn't say, I don't trust you and you don't know anything, so read this book. Uh, you can't do like the ding-dong ditch where you live it at their doorstep and run. <laughs> <laughs> Send it to them in the mail. I'm not quite sure. I think maybe you could – I think for me, it, you know, uh, when I, I wrote it, my kids now have copies of it. I was just like, you know what? here, you might learn something from this. And uh, when you do, you let me know what it is, you know, and I think that 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 for me, I'm just, I'm really big 
in using humor to get through, right? Um, and then I asked them to tell me what they wish was in it that I didn't write. So for me, it was to be able to, I think that's a good one, is to be able to give it to kids and say, what, what's missing from this? Read this and tell me what's missing. It almost sounds like like the sex books that we had them read in middle school. Here you go. If you have any more questions, anything this don't didn't ask answer. Me. No, no, let me let me know. Okay. Or maybe don't ask me. Yes, I guess for that one. But if there's anything in here you didn't you didn't get, there's some things that yeah, you're not gonna want to read about, but you're going to need to know. So totally. Ellen, um yeah. you have a few last words and then I'm gonna close it out. What would you like to say to Amanda or listeners or yeah, thank you so much, Amanda. This has been a lot of fun. Um listeners, thanks for joining us. Our next episode, which will drop in about two weeks is finance and your adult kids. We will be chatting about money, a topic that we all love and hate. And it's going to be a good one. I know our guest and it's going to be a great conversation. Thanks so much for me too, Amanda. This has been so much fun. I hope many of our listeners will purchase your book, Adulting Made Easy. I keep mentioning to purchase it on Amazon, but I want to encourage our listeners to consider their local independent bookstore as well. That's really important. Now, in terms of the podcast, our goal is to drop at least two episodes a month. So look for the next episode on money and finances to drop at the end of this month. Then we're going to talk to a New York City wedding therapist to discuss whose wedding is it anyway. So if you have friends planning weddings, this one's not to be missed. And please know we want to hear from all of you on the topics you want to talk about. Send us a DM on Facebook or Instagram. And also make sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. Let's try to keep the conversation going there. Thanks again. Engineering for this podcast was done by Mike DiOrio, an audio engineer extraordinaire. Mike is the owner of Digital Production Group in North Carolina and has helped us get our feet off the ground. Thanks also to Connie Fisher, who is working with Mike and will be our ongoing audio engineer. These two make the magic happen. So until next time... Remember, you just sometimes have to bite your tongue.